0: as we head into the room if we just pray. Heavenly Father, Sovereign Lord, we long to live lives worthy of the calling we have received so that we honour Jesus, enjoy being who Christ has saved us to be, and point others to him. Please equip us now with your word so that we are all better able to play our part in building up the body of the Church. Please with your spirit help us to grasp Jesus' truth more deeply. Be changed by it and empower us to speak it in love to others. Amen. And now the readings on the separate piece of paper, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it this is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower, earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ can be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work.
1: Thanks, Robert. Would uh, be helpful to uh, have eyes on that reading as we uh, go through it together? And in fact... diagram at the bottom as well. I wonder if you've had that experience where uh, there's something big looming in life for you. Uh, Maybe it's um, uh, an operation coming up or a medical test of some kind. Maybe uh, you've got an abusive boss or perhaps an abusive partner. Uh, Maybe you've got money worries. There's, There's something and it's huge in your life and you're feeling and experiencing everything else in life through that thing. And then you have a conversation uh, with a Christian brother or Christian sister and it changes everything Uh, because they remind you of uh, truths that you kind of knew in your head but that you weren't feeling. Uh, They remind you of uh, the promises of God that you'd heard but you hadn't connected them to what you were experiencing and going through. Uh, those trees—they came into your life, and they—they they didn't change the circumstances, but they changed you, and they changed how you felt and experienced uh, the situation. I hope you've had conversations like that with fellow Christians. Uh, well, life's out of control, and then somebody reminds you, uh, God is sovereign, even though it doesn't look like it—that He's in control, that He's near. And so you can pray to him and and know his peace. Somebody's spoken, uh, one Peter to you, reminded you, you can cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. And they've reminded you how much he cares because he sent his son to die for you. I hope you've had those kinds of conversations. A, A word in season, as it were. Jesus' truth lovingly spoken into your life, your situation. In a way that has the power to, to change your life. Uh, I guess those conversations that help us to, uh, to, to grasp and to enjoy and to, to live out uh, what it is to be um, uh, Christians, to be in God's household. And here's my question for this morning. Wouldn't it be great if those conversations happened more? Wouldn't it be great if those conversations happen more? Uh, if you've been with us uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, in fact through the autumn awesome, we've been working our way through the book of uh, Ephesians and Paul's been presenting kind of the, the, the grand plan that God has for everything. He's going to bring everything together under Christ. Uh, that's what he's doing with the universe and the church is to be a kind of living speaking advert for that. As he brings together uh, very different people from very different backgrounds and walks of life and, uh, and, and they're welded into a new family. They're not just brought to Christ, they're brought to each other. This walking, talking advert for what God is doing as people uh, live out a new identity they've been given uh, as members of his uh, household, uh, adopted children, Uh, in his family Uh, but I guess what the Ephesians church would have been finding, what any church finds, is when you bring together very different people uh, united under Christ uh, well how then do you live that out how how do you live out this new identity uh, with all this difference that's brought together, what holds this community in being Uh, And over time, as new people continue to join, who perhaps are coming from uh, new and and backgrounds that are different again, uh, how does this community grow together? Uh, How do individuals each uh, bear the family likeness and grow to be more like Jesus? How uh, together uh, do they live as this transformed, united uh, community? Uh, we've seen a little bit over the last few weeks, Paul expects uh, a deepening unity to come with a growing maturity. Uh, and so his ambition for the church is maturity. Uh, we saw that uh, a little bit uh, last week, particularly uh, there in verse uh, 13, this picture of uh, reaching unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature. Uh, and we thought a little bit last week about what maturity is. Uh, this uh, uh, process of becoming mature until the point where we, we're grasping and enjoying and, and living out uh, more fully who we are because of what Jesus has done for us. I think that might be up on the, on the screen. Uh, it's something we've got to grasp because uh, you can't enjoy what you haven't grasped and that grasping is more than just head knowledge, knowing facts in the Bible, Sunday school answers. Uh, it's grasping it, that, those truths being real in our hearts that's the first part of it. But then uh, we're to enjoy who we are because of what Jesus has done. Because, well, it's good news. Uh, what Jesus has done for us, bring us into God's family with all the promises he has in store, all the things he's doing in and through us now, it's good news, all of it. Uh, which means the more we connect that good news to every area of life, the better life gets. Uh, we're called to enjoy it together. Uh, and we're called to live it out Uh, as Christian community, worthy of the calling that we've uh, received, that's more than being nice. That's a place where God is at work, where together we're an advert uh, for what God is doing in the world. A group of people uh, empowered by God to be who they most truly are, his family, enjoying life with him, living for him. That's what maturity is, grasping, enjoying, living out more fully who we are because of what Jesus has done. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you've even begun to taste that, then you will want that to be more true of us. Because it's brilliant when it happens. But I guess the question many of us have got is, how does it happen? How how do we make progress towards this uh, maturity together? And it turns out that it happens as Jesus' truth is lovingly spoken uh, into our lives. Uh, Let's have a look uh, together. Uh, we're going to major this morning on verses uh, 14 to 16, so bottom, bottom right of the reading is it's printed there. Um, before we get to uh, how this process of becoming more mature happens, Paul reminds us where we all start, I guess so that we're motivated not to stay there, uh, and so that we're motivated to help others to, to make progress too. Uh, so I guess in verses, well really verse 14, we see that immaturity, says Paul, is like living in a storm. Immaturity, where we start, is like living in a stool. See, if uh, maturity is uh, grasping and enjoying and living out uh, more fully who we are because of what Jesus has done, what does immaturity look like? It's a group of people who haven't done that. Uh, who may be Christians, but who are only beginning to grasp and enjoy and, and live out who they are. Whose sense of who they are and why they matter and what their purpose is in life still largely depends on other things. It's a group of people who are uh, finding their identity and their joy and their purpose largely apart from Jesus. That's immaturity. And what does it look like? Just uh, look with me, verse 14. Uh, Paul says we start out as infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there. Immaturity says Paul, it's like living in a storm. Being, if you like, an infant Christian, it's like being in a level boat, tossed around, blown here and there. Do you remember what that was like? Maybe that's still your experience in some areas of the Christian life. You're feeling like you're being blown around between different ideas. Uh, Why does immaturity feel like this? For as long as we haven't grasped who we are in Christ, we'll go looking for our identity in other places. Because we need identity and we need joy and we need purpose. And if we're not finding our identity and our joy and our our purpose in Jesus, uh, we're going to go looking somewhere else. And there are so many options out there,
0: aren't
1: there? So many options. Whether it's YouTube or self-help books, there are so many voices that promise peace and and rest and and personal growth. And they offer you ways to find yourself or be yourself or or love yourself. And all these voices claim to bring truth into our lives. So many that it can be paralysing. And so every new fad breaks over us like another wave, whether it's decluttering our minds with mindfulness or decluttering our environments with Marie Kondo. The possibilities, they keep coming at us, don't they? And we're worried that we might miss out. And we're wearied by the demands of each new thing. Immaturity, says Paul, is like living in a stool. So many... Uh, non-Christian voices, but then so many voices that uh, go by the name Christian. Uh, Imagine, uh, you're living as a Christian, you're faced with a question, Uh, you want to live a life that's worthy of your Christian calling in a particular uh, area. And so you go to a colleague at work who, uh, they say they're a Christian and they suggest something that helped them. But you're not quite sure, Uh, so you have a look on YouTube and you make the mistake of watching two different videos and they say two different things. So you go to a Christian bookshop and you pick up a book and you don't recognise the author but apparently it's sold millions of copies uh, and they tell you a fourth thing to do. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, you check on your phone and there are a couple of posts on Facebook and they send you in directions 5 and 6. You're being blown around. Waves crashing over you from every direction tossed back and forth. Uh, Paul invites every Christian to leave that behind. Uh, to take shelter from the storm by being built up as part of the body of Christ, to strive for uh, maturity together because maturity is good. And how does that happen, according to Paul? Where uh, are these uh, voices going to come from? Uh, Let me be clear. The the answer is not a church gathering once a week. That might have a, a part to play, uh, but Sunday morning on its own is going to struggle to compete with all the voices that come at us at uh, 24-7. Uh, the answer is not a, a, a midweek sermon and a midweek group, although groups can make a massive difference. Paul says here, the answer, the, the, the way out of the storm, the way uh, into maturity is to be part of a community of people who lovingly connect Jesus' truth to life part of a community of people who lovingly connect Jesus' truth to your life and my life. So that in the day-to-day, in the face of pressures, of partial truths, of false teaching, people who love us are serving us by bringing truth into our life. That's Paul's diagnosis for us. Right, so let's have a think together what that might look like. We're in verse 15 now. Instead, says Paul, instead of that infancy, instead of that immaturity, instead of being blown and tossed about by all these different ideas, speaking the truth in love, as church families together, will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Uh, you might remember uh, at the beginning of chapter 4. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. And we said it looked something like... What is it that uh, preserves and keeps the unity of the Spirit within God's household? Well, it's two main things. Jesus like love and Jesus' truth. They are the sort of buttresses that hold this household together. Jesus like love, uh, Jesus' truth. But how does that get administered to the people of God day by day? Well, Paul says here, it happens one person at a time, one conversation at a time as Jesus' truth is spoken with Jesus-like love with the aim of helping people to grasp and enjoy and live out who they are because of what Jesus has done. In a sense, it is as simple as that. Now, I don't think that's what we think when we read verse 15. It's been interesting chatting with a number of people uh, this week. Too often, I think, we read verse 15 speaking the truth in love And then we swallow hearts. And we think, okay, I I know what this means. This means speaking hard truths to people because we love them. Now, if we read verse 15 that way, the choices that we're left with don't actually feel that brilliant. We're left with the choice of being blown about in the storms by all these different voices or or stepping into a, a, a community of people where... They love us by telling us what's wrong with us. And neither of those feel like particularly attractive alternatives. i love to see this morning, speaking the truth in love is a lot more than that and is a lot better than just telling each other tough truths. See, we need to remember the aim of all these conversations. Maturity is fully grasping enjoying living out who we are because of what Jesus has done for us. That means maturity is when Jesus' truth about who he is, what he's done has been lovingly connected and applied to all of life so that we've grasped it, we've uh, enjoyed it, we're living it out as good news. That means uh, how we see ourselves, how we relate to other people, how we uh, go about our work as employees, what it is we're working for, uh, how we raise our kids, how we uh, care for our parents, our grandparents, how we live together with joy when life is stormy, all that stuff That is maturity, where Jesus' truth is connected to us. And that means speaking the truth in love is not primarily telling people what they are like. It's telling them who they are because of who Jesus is and what he's done and how that changes their life. I mentioned before a friend who adopted a boy, about 12 years ago now so the boy would have been about 6 or 7 and they brought him into the house he had two uh, teenage daughters at the time uh, and uh, the boy, um, his name I'm not going to use just because these do go on on the web Um, uh, he was about 6 or 7, complicated uh, background Uh, he became uh, a son and a member of the household the day he was adopted he was in Uh, but in the early days he didn't live out as it were who he was he didn't bear the family lines and actually he hurt himself and he hurt other people in the way that he uh, behaves Uh, and what would happen would be when things went badly wrong uh, he would do in the house uh, with his family what he used to do in the foster homes which was he'd go upstairs and he'd start to pack because he knew he'd crossed a line and they would throw him out because that's what they'd done before Uh, And my friend his dad would go up to him and sit with him on the bed. Now what does he say to his boy in that moment? What he says depends very much on what he wants for his son, his child. If he wants behavioural change, if he wants his boy just to toe the line, well he might tell him some home truths. You might tell him what he did wrong so he's absolutely clear on what the rules are in the house. Uh, and he might punish him, he might negotiate with him, he might offer him rewards in order to change uh, the way that he behaves. He could do that. If what he wanted most of all was for uh, the boy's behaviour to change. But that's not what my friend wants for his son. Uh, he wants him to be part of a mature family. He wants his adopted child to grasp who he is. Adopted, belonging fully, completely, permanently in the household. Uh, He wants his boy to enjoy his father's love. Because he already has it. He wants him to enjoy his identity as a member of the family. To live it out because it's brilliant being part of a great family. Where you're loved and accepted by an amazing death See, because my friend wanted that for his adopted child, he starts with the truth of who the child is now and who he is as his father. Sitting on the bed amongst the hurt and the tears, he lovingly reminds him who he is. A beloved son because of what his father has done for him. Now those truths what it is to be adopted into a family, they have all kinds of implications, don't they, for how a family uh, operates uh, how people live within it, how you relate to one another Uh, being adopted into a family doesn't mean anything goes, there's a place for challenge there's a place for uh, rebuke sometimes bad behaviour has to be uh, called out but that is only a fraction of it. speaking the truth in love is not home truths about the person it is speaking Jesus' truth, timeless truth about Jesus, for the person to grasp and endure.
0: That's how maturity
1: happens, this Paul. That's how lives are changed. And when that is normal, church life is amazing. On a check, we've got this. Picture the scene I'm standing in front of the mirror, I put on new shirts. Katie, am I young enough and slim enough to pull this shirt off? Katie looks over. No, Mark, you're not. Is that speaking the truth in love? What do you think? Yes or no? I've got people nodding, people shaking their heads. It's speaking the truth, isn't it? possibly let's assume for a moment that I'm not slim enough or young enough to pull off this shirt speaking the truth it's not speaking Ephesians 4 kind of truth it's got nothing to do with who Jesus is what he's done it might well be a loving thing to do because Katie doesn't want me to walk out into the world and look a numpty or to reach up and sort of reveal my midriff or anything like that it might be a very loving thing to say let's put that back in the wardrobe and put something else on it's not speaking the truth in love like the way Paul's talking about it. Imagine somebody says, uh, or perhaps I respond to Katie in this conversation, having just been told that I'm uh, old and chubby, Um, sometimes the way you speak to me is a bit rude. Is that speaking truth, Again, might, might be true, won't it? And there might need to be a place for that challenge, that calling out sometimes. But on its own, that's not connecting uh, Jesus' truth uh, to my life or hers. That's simply speaking a truth. According to Paul, speaking the truth in love here is connecting Jesus' truth with Jesus-like love to somebody's life. So when life feels out of control and when it's riddled with anxiety, you perhaps remember Ephesians 4 verse 6 which is printed there for us. There's one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. So you speak Jesus true to the person. You say, yeah, life looks chaotic and it looks out of control, but God is not absent. God is still in control. It might look like your boss or your colleague or whoever has got control of things and they're out to get you, but God is in control. He's over all. Maybe you remind them of that verse from 1 Peter. I think we'll do it as a memory verse next week. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I've got to pray for them. It's taking the truth about who Jesus is, what he's done, who we are, and connecting it to life so that we grasp it more deeply, so that we enjoy it more richly, and so that we can live it out. Wouldn't it be great if conversations like that were normal? Uh, Here's a question we can be asking. I think there's a sort of cloudy thing. Um, If we went into conversations asking ourselves, how can I help this person to more fully grasp and enjoy and live out who they are because of what Jesus has done for them? A bit of a mouthful. But if we went into conversations thinking even something beginning that... then more and more often we'd be saying things to one another that would change our lives that would change the way we experience our weeks that would change the way that we relate to one another and to other people now you might be thinking that's a really hard question to ask because connecting Jesus' truth to uh, uh, people's lives with Jesus' like love is it, not an easy thing to do and that's why we want to help each other uh, if you have a glance down uh, at the diagram there underneath the reading with the sort of stick uh, people. Uh, we're trying to capture how we organise church life to make this easier, to make this uh, speaking the truth in love more uh, normal. If you like all of us, a little stick people, uh, if we're Christians we're sort of to the right of the cross, we've trusted in Jesus and we're, we're moving towards being a body that is built up, uniting the knowledge of Jesus, mature, each part doing its work. That's just Ephesians how do we make those steps to the right? This is what Amy was talking about. She didn't know where I was going here. But if we're helping everybody to take a, a sort of step on their spiritual journey, as it were, how, how do we help people take those steps? Uh, Paul says it happens in relationships where Jesus' truth is being spoken with Jesus' light love. So it's worth asking, where is that happening in your life? That's what the yellow uh, arrows are. Double headed arrows between Christians because we can be speaking the truth in love to one another. Uh, Single headed arrows as Christians speak to non Christians who perhaps don't know or uh, acknowledge the truth that we want to live by. Where are those yellow arrows in your life? Because they have the power to change your life. Uh, And if you look at this diagram and think, I've no idea. And actually, I don't, I don't really know where I begin to connect Jesus' truth with Jesus' like love. Well, wh- where are you getting equipped to do that? That's the big arrow at the top there. Uh, we were thinking about it a bit uh, the other week, that, that Christ gifts the church with uh, pastor teachers and evangelists and others who, whose reason for being is to gift others to do this. My job is to equip you to speak the truth in love to other people. How can I do that for you? How can help. Uh, there's a number of things uh, that we could do. Uh, there's uh, five uh, here on the screen. Uh, five things for us to think about. Uh, if we're to become a place where speaking the truth in love to one another is uh, normal, where we're habitually changing one another's lives for the better in the way that we connect the good news to life, there's five things that'll help. We need to get to know one another's lives. Because you can't speak truth in somebody's life if you don't know what's going on in their life. We need to get to know the lives of the people that we love. And then we need to be ready with truth to speak. We need both those things. So how can we be ready with truth to speak? Uh, one thing we can do is join a growth group as a place to practice. Uh, folks who are regular members of the group will have spotted that actually for quite a long time we've had uh, case studies at the end of each uh, uh, week's study Uh, imaginary people who are faced with some of the issues that the bit of the Bible that we've been thinking about addresses Uh, those uh, little case studies are like a flight simulator for speaking the truth in love Uh, I don't know when you last got on a plane you don't want to get on a plane and discover that the pilot has never flown a plane before you don't want to go to hospital and discover that you're the first person that this person has ever operated on. You don't want to be that person. But somebody has to be. And what you discover is, actually, before a pilot flies a passenger uh, load of, of, of people, uh, they spend hundreds, thousands of hours on flight simulators so that they're safe, so that they don't have a total crash. How can we speak the truth in love to one another well well we can, we can have a few goes on the, the flight simulator rock up to a growth group hear other people doing it so that you get an idea of how it works but also have a go with fictional people uh, if, what have we had we've had like Orinoco and Wellington so, so one week it was uh, the Wombles were the people one week it was the members of ABBA they're obviously fictional people they're not in the room y- you can have a go at speaking the truth in love and if you crash well it doesn't matter because Orinoco is not real Join a great group and practice speaking the truth in life. Uh, join the book group. Uh, we're going to uh, reboot uh, in the next month or two the book we're reading uh, for this calendar year Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands People in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change. Basically, this book is to help us uh, do what we've been thinking does. Speak the truth into people's lives uh, so that they're changed. And lastly, In some ways the easiest thing, in some ways the hardest thing. Ask others to speak the truth to you. If uh, there are mature Christians in the room who you know they love you, maybe go up to them after a coffee and say, I'd love it if you could do this for me a bit more. Uh, Maybe make time to meet up over a coffee and just give somebody permission maybe there's somebody in your life who would love to do this but one of the things that's stopping them is they're just a bit shy and they're not sure what you'll say so if you said Look, I'd love it if you could do that for me you're giving them permission and who knows what God might do with that there you go speaking the truth in love connecting Jesus' truth to our lives so that we grasp and enjoy and live out who we are because of what Jesus has done If we do that for one another more, our lives will be changed and church life will be amazing. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we long to be mature because it would be brilliant. Uh, We don't want to be tossed and blown around by all kinds of different ideas uh, to live life in a storm. Uh, We want to be rooted together in the Lord Jesus and all He's done for us. We want to find our identity and our joy and our purpose in Him because we know it will be greater and more lasting than any other identity, our joy or purpose. And so, please, would you help us to grow more mature? Please, would you help us to take on uh, the role, the responsibility of being uh, sort of bodybuilders, as it were, building up the body. By speaking the truth in love to one another. We pray for a midweek group's meeting this week. We pray for the Lent calls coming up. We pray for the book group. Would we'll those be at times and places where we're being equipped so that conversations that change one another's lives for the better are just normal. And so we pray that your truth would come more deeply into our lives through your spirit. And that your spirit would empower us to overflow with that loving truth. Amen. Brilliant. We're going to sing. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to, sort of, uh, we're going to finish the service this morning by sort of um, praying to fade, as it were. So we normally finish with a song. And then there's a sort of right, okay, there's coffee at the back, off you go. i are going to do it a bit differently this week. Uh, we're going to sing them, we're going to pray, and, as I say, then we'll just have a pause. And it might be that you want to sit quietly and pray some more. It might be you want to think about those uh, five different things. Maybe there's somebody you want to give permission to, uh, to speak the truth into your life. And you want to pray that. Uh, but we won't have a kind of abrupt end to the service. We'll just kind of gradually... Uh, disappear towards the back to grab coffee um, let me encourage you if you've got kids to, um, to collect them before one o'clock um, but just a slightly different shape here. Uh pet single. from the breaking of the dawn we want to be those who build our lives on the promises of God's word let's stand and sing together <coughs>